Hi, and welcome to the Seven Elements of Wellness podcast. I'm Trish DeMarcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. And we are the creators of the Seven Elements of Wellness lifestyle routine, dedicated to helping you feel good more than you don't. The Seven Elements of Wellness are spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, nutritional, physical, and financial. And what we found is that we're all living these elements. It's how much attention are we giving each one? Because where your attention goes, your energy flows. When you combine them all and they flow together, it's powerful. This really is a personal development program combined with an overall wellness program. We've had amazing feedback from the community and people are shedding weight. They are repairing their relationships, overcoming anxiety. It's helping with depression. It's a journey of self-love, a foundation to help you be the best version of yourself. Just be. And that's what this podcast really is about. We are dedicated to bringing you the best of the best in each of their elements. So whether you're on the beginning of your wellness journey or you're a seasoned biohacker, we can promise you that you're going to find value in each and every episode. Let's go. Let's see how many days in a row we can flow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm Courtney Stoll, and today it's all about the nutritional element, all about nutrition. And if you have been flowing with the seven elements for a while, you know that the nutritional element can be a little bit tricky, and it can be a little bit challenging too. But we have seen such amazing transformations for people in their physical body as they have focused on these checklist items of drinking your water and staying away from refined sugar, which we're going to jump into in detail in this episode so that you can understand why those were chosen to be the focus in your seven elements of wellness for nutrition. Why is water important? Why is it important for us to stay away from those refined, which is processed sugar and what those do for the body and to support the body? right? So today our guest is Anna Jeanette Miller. She is a family nurse practitioner. So she has been well-trained in the medical field and is well-versed in Western medicine, but through many experiences that she's had in her personal family and then also with her patients, she has taken a really deep, integrative, functional medicine, whole body approach within her practice. And you are going to hear her share a lot of her experiences and especially the knowledge that she has gained over so many years. It's so helpful. I am so excited for the way that she presents this nutritional element in a very simple and easy way and also a very practical way. It makes a lot of sense when you hear her discuss this. She talks a lot also today about gut health. So if you've ever had any issues with your gut and your digestive system and it's been something really difficult to heal or to figure out for yourself. She has so many ideas of why you may be dealing with that and how to resolve that. It's all within this nutritional element. So I'm very excited for you to meet her. I'm excited for you to hear her story. We're going to jump right in and this is going to make the nutritional element so much easier for you. Let's go. Hello, Jeanette. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Let's start with you introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about your story. So my name is Anna Jeanette Miller. I'm a family nurse practitioner who does more integrative medicine. Um, My story is I actually have been on quite the journey. It started with my sister who had multiple sclerosis. I had a lot of things going on with her life that was just, I didn't understand what was going on. I was a dental assistant at the time. And so all this like medical jargon and stuff that was going on, I was like, what exactly is going on with her? Mm -hmm. So I decided to start nursing school. And it was funny throughout nursing school, our pattern of like things that were happening to her, um, I was learning in school. And so I like directed my mom in some ways of ways to help her. And this just continued to be a pattern throughout her health journey. And um, even when she ended up passing away, I became a hospice nurse at that time so I kind of knew in my heart that she wasn't going to be making it much longer and so I became super passionate about helping people who have autoimmune conditions and different really just any kind of human suffering I don't just do autoimmune conditions but it just started me on my path to helping people feel their best and wanting them to not suffer the way that my sister did and I wanted to help 
just explore the more natural community because I learned my mom started taking her places and I just kind of felt like my mom was really crazy, like took her to Mexico and all these places. And I was Mm. like, what is going on? And so my sister would come back telling all these stories about how all these people are getting helped from all these different things that were happening. And it did, she got to a point where she got a little better here and there. So it was helping her. The regular Western medicine wasn't though. Like every time she tried any of that stuff, it just like she got worse or she went downhill more. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people sit there and tell me, well, your sister passed away. So how is it that this has helped? And it's like, well, it's because of the journey and what she saw and what I saw of how it was helping people. And then when I was working in the hospital as a nurse, I just saw all these people getting sick, coming in for the same reasons, not focusing on diet, not focusing on root causes of things that could help with disease. And I had learned a little bit about that. And I was just like, we're doing things so wrong, like so wrong Um, to the point of when I was going to go back to school, I was going to go to naturopath school because I was like, I don't see how going to nurse practitioner school is going to help me. And luckily my husband, he's so, so much smarter than me sometimes (laughs) was like, I I think you can do both. Like, I think you should go to nurse practitioner school and you'll figure out how to do the natural stuff. And he was completely right. So I was really glad I did that because I have the opportunity of helping people. Like if they do need a a drug for some reason, I can prescribe that to them while working on other things that are more healthier options. Yeah. So it's been a huge blessing. I feel like to be able to help people with both of those things and really try to find the root cause of the problem of their health. Wow. I love that. I love that story because I think a lot of times we go to the doctor and we get an opinion there, we get a diagnosis there. And then there's always this question of like, can it something I can do myself or is it something I can learn more naturally to do? And for you to have knowledge on both sides of it, that's amazing. I'm so excited that you're here. There's so many questions I have for you today. So we're in the nutritional element and the checklist item for nutritional, there's two of them. So the first one I want to talk about, I want to get your thoughts on this because we've had a lot of feedback on the nutritional element. The first one is to drink half your body weight in ounces of water. So why would it be important to drink half your body weight in ounces of water? Because that kind of feels like for some people, that's a lot. And part of the feedback that we've gotten is we're in the bathroom all the time. And do I really need to be drinking that much? It's uncomfortable, but it's important to drink your water. Water is really important for the body. So what are your thoughts on that? And do you have any like tips or guidance on why that would be important and maybe help us to do that a little bit? easier or more sustainable? Sure. Uh, Water is super important. As most people know, or maybe don't know, we're made up of a lot of water. Um, So we need water for our cells to be able to function. I actually tell a lot of women that come in, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. And I'm like, are you drinking your water? Water is a huge thing for weight loss. If you're not drinking enough water, your cells can't do what they're supposed to do. Mm. So I, I usually, there are a lot of people, in my opinion, half body weight in ounces is a good goal. But some people, that's really difficult. Or maybe they just struggle with even having a couple cups of water. So I'll have them make a goal of 64 ounces. If you can at least get to that, it will be a really good hydration of the cells and that type of thing. But half your body weight in ounces is the best goal okay also making sure you're getting your minerals in we don't get a lot of minerals in our water and so a lot of times that makes us pee more um so you know they might need to add a little bit more minerals to their you know trace minerals to their diet or you know supplement wise um you can get it from food but that's a little more difficult because we just our soil doesn't have the minerals that it used to have our water we filter it so we really aren't getting a lot of minerals so sometimes it helps to add some trace minerals to the water but as far as going to the bathroom all the time kind of trying to make sure you're drinking the water throughout the day and then having it done by like six o'clock so that you're not getting up all through the night yeah is another suggestion that I make to a lot of patients okay that can be helpful so it's better than to drink it in little bits throughout the day instead of like a whole quart at one time so it's actually been found not to take little sips throughout the day but taking like bigger amounts like four to eight ounces at a time Okay. Because sips can actually hurt your kidneys. A lot of people don't know that. But yeah, taking small sips is actually worse for your kidneys. Taking bigger amounts throughout the day is actually better. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) See, that's why you're here. I never knew that. That's very interesting. Okay. Okay. Let's talk sugar because 
The other part of the nutritional element is sugar and avoiding refined sugars, which would be processed sugars. And that's kind of a sketchy one too. There's a lot of like, well, what is refined? What is unrefined? But let's just talk about why it's even important that we would want to only consume those natural sugars and not the refined ones. One of the biggest things about sugar is it's inflammatory. So we have a really big problem with inflammation in our culture. And a lot of people don't realize some people just stop eating sugar. And next thing they know, they don't have joint pain anymore. Next thing they know, they don't have um, inflammation in their ankle or, you know, menopause women is a huge one. Like they don't have as many hot flashes. It's crazy. So sugar can cause a lot of inflammation. The processed sugar is really bad. And we have high fructose corn syrup was even worse. And so it's like trying to focus on the more natural sugars can help. They still can spike your blood sugar, but they're still a better option than those processed sugars. And they were just made to be uh, highly inflammatory. Our body's super addicted to it and that causes even more problems with candida um, overgrowth in our gut and then we crave it all the time and we can't stop. And so continuing to have the more natural sugars don't tend to have as many problems with that. But I do tell my diabetic patients we do have to kind of, you know, not eat as many of the natural sugars because it can still spike their blood sugars and we need to manage that as well. Yeah, and I have two diabetic children, so I have learned this kind of through trial and error as they're testing their blood sugars and we're watching and and when they were first diagnosed, it was like, we wanted to, you know, cut out all sugar. Oh, but you can eat the banana instead. And the banana still (laughs) raises their blood sugar just as much as a cookie. But, but that banana is a lot healthier for them. And so in their situation, they can dose for insulin, but it's like making the better choices, I guess, right? Is that? Exactly. Yeah. Making a better choice and still having it in moderation, even if it's a healthier sugar. I always like to give the example of my dad. I love him if he's ever listening, but he would he went on this whole binge of like, he stopped eating sugar, but then he changed it to like, at that time, unfortunately it was aspartame, which is really not good for you. And he started getting headaches and all sorts of problems because he'd make cakes and cookies with this artificial sugar. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's the other problem. You need to really research those artificial sugars. The aspartame for sure is not one that you should be eating. Um, you know, stevia, monk fruit, those kinds of ones are better options for that. But you have to kind of do your research and like make sure what you're looking at. Like go to Costco and you're just really shocked at how many protein drinks have aspartame in them. Mm -hmm. And they're like your favorite ones. It's like, I thought I was eating healthy. And you know, it's still another just bad road you can go down uh, with the artificial sugars. Like I said, in our family, because we've got the diabetics, we're like, oh, this is sugar-free. We're going to like eat 20 of these sugar-free peanut butter cups. And then we're like in the bathroom, like, oh my gosh, what did we just consume? It Mm. tasted sweet, but was that necessarily good for our bodies? (laughs) Yes. And that's so funny that you say that. I hear that all the time or from patients that like try to switch or I'm doing this, I'm doing better. It says sugar-free. And I just really try to focus people on just getting away from processed foods, really trying to, you know, look at the grocery store on the outside of things, you know, looking at yeah. uh, meat and vegetables. And it's hard because we're in a country where we process so much food and have chips and crackers and all sorts of things. And it's, you know, we don't really know all the problems that those foods have. And we find out years later and it's like, oh, we should have just stuck to the whole foods, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. really good points. Thank you so much. Okay, so because we're talking about nutrition and sugar and our bellies, let's talk about gut health because I know that the digestive system is where a lot of, well, first of all, that's where we process our nutrition, but there's a lot of issues that people have in their gut and with their digestive system. And we've actually talked about this with other elements, like with the emotional element, you know, that we feel sick to our stomach sometimes when we're stressed or when we're emo- you know having an emotional experience we feel sick mm-hmm. and so while we're here on the nutritional element and talking about what we actually put in to our bellies put you know what we put in our mouth and goes into our bodies let's just talk about that and the importance of what those foods may look like so let's just start simple and explain a little bit about what gut health 
is and what that means. So gut health is is so interesting because I have lots of people who come to me and I start talking about gut health. It's kind of like a buzzword. Some people have heard about it. Some people haven't. And it really is, it makes a huge difference if you start working on things for that because gut health is I mean, you can have leaky gut, you can have SIBO, you can have all sorts of problems with your gut. And starting there is super important because I consider it like another brain. There's a lot of things that are going on in there, a bacteria that needs to be balanced. Um, We make serotonin in our gut and uh, 95% of our serotonin is made in our gut. So I have a lot of people who come to me for like anxiety and depression and different things like that. And their gut health and what they're eating is just way off. So of course, we're going to focus on their eating because what they put in their mouth is super important. And then what exactly is happening? Are they absorbing it? Is it breaking down? What exactly is going on with those foods? So a lot of times people really don't know, like they've heard the buzz terms, leaky gut and different things like that, but they don't really know what it means. So a point that you just made that was super interesting is that your gut is kind of like another brain. That is so interesting to me. So can you elaborate on that just a little bit more? So going back to like the serotonin, serotonin is a neurotransmitter that helps our brain. And so dopamine is another one that it affects our brain. Um, so gut health affects our brain. Uh, it has a connection to our brain. It also has a connection to our mouth, our bacteria in our mouth and to our heart. So some people even consider it the first brain, like it's stuff going on there is more important or will help the brain if we work on the gut. And there's been huge connections to that. So that's why they kind of consider it another brain because that's where the serotonin is made. So I have a question because I'm kind of a food person (laughs) and I'm going to admit the nutritional element is one of the hardest ones for me because I feel like I have an emotional connection to food. Like there are foods that make me happy and there's foods that like I'm very like not drawn to when I feel certain ways. I have like, I do have like an emotional connection to food. So, (laughs) so I know like for me, sometimes when I eat sugar, I feel happier. Like I feel like if I eat the M&Ms, you know, especially if I feel stressed or something, I'll eat the M&Ms and it'll kind of send me on a high or I'll feel a little comforted for a little bit. But then over time, I mean, it's not like I can eat M&Ms like a whole giant bag for hours and hours, like who wants to do that? But why is it that like when we do eat the sugar, or we do eat like those treats. Is it just me? I mean, I feel (laughs) better (laughs) for a little while. Mm. And what creates that? Because I feel like it does stimulate my brain in a lot of ways. Like what creates that? Which it does. And they've actually specifically designed it it to do it that way. Not just with sugar, but even like potato chips. You can't eat just one. They purposely have made these processed foods like this. And they even have a scientist on board with all of these companies and they call it the bliss factor. And you actually, they make it so you can't eat just one. Mm -hmm. Highly addictive. It really is. Sugar is super addictive and it does. It gives you a high just like food. There's a lot of books and different things where they talk about that sugar is just as addictive as cocaine. They have studies, research studies with mice and they like gave them the choice between cocaine and sugar and they picked sugar. So, I mean, it's highly addictive. It's like a drug. And I tell my patients, I'm not trying to get you, you know, 100% off sugar. I want you to just do better options, right? Like we talk about seven elements, doing the more natural sugars, the honey, those kinds of things. Just because our body, it's not realistic for me to say you're never going to eat sugar again, Mm -hmm. right? It's just more, how can we reduce this and make it a goal to have, make better choices, Yeah. So going back to like just my perception, because I've got diabetic kids. So talking about sugar, what about like carbohydrates? Because there's Mm -hmm. this big thing about low carb and less carbs. And I know at our house, like pizza or even just bread makes their blood sugar go crazy high. And that creates, that's like a high glycemic. So what is the concept behind those high glycemic carbohydrates and gluten. That's another big part of it is gluten. Mm -hmm. I know that does things to your gut. So I'm kind of going all over the board here, but tell us a little bit about carbohydrate intake and why or how would that affect your gut? So carbohydrate intake is really interesting because it does increase your blood sugars. So once again, it's one of those things that you have to keep in in balance, right? Especially if you are a diabetic, if you're not diabetic, it should still be in balance. I don't believe in completely eliminating them. I know a lot of people like to do keto and different diets like that, which I feel like for some people is good temporarily, but uh, on a full-time basis, it's not 
always a good thing, mm-hmm. especially for women. Um, there's a lot of research showing that women can do classic keto for a little while, but they need carb cycling, especially during times of their period. We just have different things that happen in our cycles that actually require different kind of nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we just kind of focus on eating carbs, not eating carbs, and I'm kind of one of those providers that I believe like different different types of eating are different for an individual. I actually base it on patient's labs. Okay. So it's like, I look at your labs. If you have high blood sugars, we're going to cut back a little bit more on carbs and maybe increase more protein and fat. And so it really just depends. Um, that's a really important question. As far as gut goes, it's like, is it breaking it down? Um, are we getting the carbs? because you still need carbohydrates like to run and do the things that you need to do. Yeah, you can replace that with fat on the keto type thing. And that does work for some people. I'm not saying don't completely do it, but it's just, it really depends. There's some people that it doesn't work for and they don't even know it and they keep doing it and it's actually causing them worse problems. Mm-hmm. So carbs is is a good discussion for, but it's really, in my opinion, individually based and it can have to do with genetics as well. So Okay, so let's go into that because I was just thinking <laughs> like, you, it sounds like we're all different. Everybody is mm-hmm. very different, but I don't know about other people, but I know that I've been trying to lose weight or I've dieted or whatever. And I'm on Google and I'm online going, what diet is the best one for me? And like, mm-hmm. I've heard there's like your blood type matters or your activity level matters or, you know, there's so many things to take into consideration. So what would you recommend to people who are just trying to find a lifestyle of eating maybe like generally first, like where would we start to find the best option for us for like an eating plan? So it is pretty individually based, but I do tell a lot of my patients, the first thing to try is to go off gluten. I can't even tell you how many Mm. patients have lost weight, their pain goes away, just because you did mention that last time, which we didn't get to. So perfect segue in here, but gluten, um, is a very popular cause because of our leaky gut, right? It's a, it's a reason why a lot of people, if they don't eat gluten, it really helps because um, foods just gets flagged and gluten's just one of the main problem problematic children, basically, for yeah, our gut. Yeah, so <laughs> let's just like like break it down. What When you say gluten, what exactly is gluten? Because I think that's another thing is like we hear gluten-free and then mm-hmm. we hear like don't eat bread, but does that mean crackers? Like what, so when you're saying Cut out gluten. What exactly does that mean? So gluten is wheat. It's basically any kind of wheat product. Gluten is, I mean, when we've made our recent wheat, it's very, they've made it so that no bugs can eat it. And it's very crazy because the bugs don't even want to eat it, but yet we're eating it. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just like, I just sit there and I think there has to be something really wrong with that. And so um, our wheat has just changed over the years and it's completely really not healthy for us. And I feel comfortable comfortable saying that everyone could do well without gluten. That doesn't mean that you don't tolerate it fine and you've gone years and years and years eating it and you don't have a problem where your brother has a huge autoimmune condition because of it. Right. Um, But, you know, everyone, a lot of people think it's all grains. It's not all grains. Gluten is just wheat, but any kind of wheat products. But the problem with gluten-free is then once again, we're at processed foods again, right? which aren't good for us. And some of those processed things they're doing are almost even worse. Right. So we're kind of going from one extreme to another, not knowing. And then in 10 years, we'll find out, oh yeah, those gluten-free things we were making were really bad for us. Well, that's not really surprising to me because it's processed once again. So eating gluten-free, even the um, grocery stores aren't when they put, or sorry, the manufacturers of the food are not, they don't have to be a hundred percent gluten-free to put gluten-free on the package is the other thing. Oh. I have some friends and family members that are celiac and they will eat a brand and they'll get totally sick as if they ate wheat. So mm. I think it only has to be like 10 or 15%, um, like only 85% gluten-free for them to market it. So that's the other thing. Not everything is a hundred percent gluten-free when they put gluten-free on the, on the box. Yeah. So, and, but once again, processed foods, if we stick to whole foods going around the grocery store, vegetables, meats, um, carbs, like, you know, sweet potatoes, different things like that are really good for some people, obviously in moderation, we're not going to go crazy with that. Yeah. So substituting for gluten may be tricky. Then Mm -hmm. that's like what, what I'm hearing from you. And I can totally see that like packaged gluten-free foods and yeah. So what, what could we, what could we substitute things with? Like rice is 
rice a good thing? Rice is good for a lot of people and you can use rice flour. Making your own homemade bread is a better option. Like if you're getting rice flour and you're making it, it's just you know, if the grocery store is making it and it says gluten-free, it's still way more processed. So I kind of recommend making their own breads with um, grains that they can. Corn isn't always good for everyone, but it is gluten-free. Yeah. So um, that can be an option for people. I'm not a big fan of corn just because once again, um, the way it's grown, it's not as great as, it's, it's almost in the same category as wheat, unfortunately. But I just like, if I go to, if I go out to eat, like I go get a hamburger, I just don't eat the bun. I do a lettuce wrap and actually for doing it for years now, I prefer it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have any autoimmune conditions or any reason not to not eat gluten, but I really tried to significantly reduce it in yeah. my own diet. What about oats? Oats is another one that like we can find pretty easily like at the store or whatever. Are oats considered gluten-free? There's a lot of controversy with that because like there's oats that are, they have gluten-free oats at the store and regular oats. So I was trying to look into it. And so it was like, supposedly there's still some type of gluten in oats. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is because I just didn't go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. Okay. So be mindful then of oats. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of times people can, but it's once again, just being very mindful of your carbs and, you know, so maybe eating a bowl of oatmeal every morning wouldn't be ideal for you if you're like pre-diabetic or diabetic, right? Because of the carbs. So having more protein like eggs and uh, bacon, different things like that would be a better option. And a salad on the side. No one ever thinks about that, but like getting our greens in is why they think breakfast, but it's actually good to have vegetables at breakfast. So adding that in would be good. Okay, so this is giving me like a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> there's a there's a lot and it's complicated. This is mm-hmm. good though. This conversation is good because it can be really complicated and confusing. So, okay, you eat something. Let's just say you eat a hamburger. Let's say you do eat the bun. One thing that I always know when I eat a food and I'm like, oh, that didn't agree with me very well. It's just like the bloat. I mean, like mm-hmm. the bloated feeling. That's a, that's a complaint I think of a lot of people is just bloat. Oh, absolutely. What creates that? Is it a specific food? Is it other things? Like what contributes to that kind of gut issue? So a lot of times bloating, like bloating can happen after you eat something, bloating can happen just like it doesn't seem like you did anything and you have bloating. And that already is telling me that you have gut issues. I have someone come in and they're like, I'm having bloating. And I'm like, oh yeah, gut issues. So usually the first thing I think about when someone has bloating is that their stomach acid is not working right. It's, Mm. it's most likely too low. Most commonly it's way too low. So using digestive enzymes, which a lot of times people don't realize that they have low stomach acid because we've been trained by uh, Western medicine that it's always bloating and acid reflux and all those kinds of things are because we have too much stomach acid, which is actually not true. Mm. So I always have to like educate my patients about, you know, stomach acid is so important. There's actually a book called Why uh, Stomach Acid is So Important, and it was actually made in 2007. And it like blew my mind when I read it because I learned a few other things, even though I was already in the natural world. But I was so surprised at just the, amount of money that pharmaceutical companies make off of antacids and all those different kinds of things to help with bloating and all those things. Mm -hmm. And they know that it's not high stomach acid. And so all it does is alkaline the stomach. It doesn't reduce the acid at all. And and we even call them in the medical Western medicine, they're called acid reducers. Those medications are. So I'm just like, why are we lying to everybody? It's so crazy. So it's more like helping people get enough stomach acid. Because what happens is, is you eat your food, you swallow it, it goes down. It's a piece of meat, let's say. And sorry, us as Americans aren't very good at chewing. So we didn't make (laughs) our digestive enzymes. So then that piece of meat sits there in your stomach and Mm -hmm. ferments, makes you bloat to start with. And then eventually you start getting acid reflux. Yeah. So the acid reflux part will happen, but right now, you know, bloating saying that's the first sign that probably something you ate didn't get digested enough. Okay. And it causes bloating. I have everybody on um, 
digestive enzymes. So what much. do the what does a digestive enzyme actually do then? Because aren't we supposed to produce our own enzymes? <laughs> yeah. Perfect question. So like almost first appointment, every patient that comes in, I, I explain this and it's called eating hygiene. And so basically what we do is, or what I tell them to do is as Americans, we're really horrible at this. And it's just our culture. We weren't taught like other countries teach their kids this since they're little is that we, you need to chew your food. Mm. Chewing your food is so important because it helps you make your own digestive enzymes and then they go down and they help break down your food. That's oh. their job. Uh-huh. So I sit there and always tell my patients, like your little stomach's down there going, you had one job because you're the person who needs to chew the food, right? <laughs> yeah. And then it's sitting down there and it's like, I can't really do my job because you didn't chew me wow. you know, good enough to break down and do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And then the other problem we do is we drink tons and tons of water and that dilutes, like if we do end up chewing our food, that dilutes our digestive enzymes and then it can't do its job either. So okay. it was funny because me and my husband went to Italy and I kind of thought it was just... I mean, I knew it was an American culture thing, but I didn't realize how much till I went to Italy and saw they don't even bring water to your table. Like you have to ask for any drinks. Like we wow. in America, we sit down, we go to eat and they just bring us two huge glasses of water, set them down next to us. And it's like, here you go. And so I'm just like, you know, so it's okay to take like sips of water, like a little bit. If you need to take a pill or your digestive enzymes, taking a little sip here and there, but drinking a whole glass of water, you know, it just dilutes all that and makes it difficult for your body to break down that food. And the other part of eating hygiene that I like to, which is also really important is like, we like to run and eat while we're running out the door. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's just part moms across America. Sorry. Yeah. But you really need to sit down and be present with your food. That's one of the most important things because you'll enjoy it more. You'll chew it more. You'll find like all my patients always say, I, I just don't eat as much. And so it helps you with that. It helps with so many things. And I've had really cute experiences experiences where we've had families where parents that we teach them this and they go home and teach their kids and then they tell your mom you didn't chew 20 times because you should chew 20 to 30 times 30 times for like meat 20 times for like other things and so it's just a really good thing for us to teach our children and to do ourselves because it's it's unfortunate that we haven't had that in our culture being taught to us because it's really important Wow, those are so interesting tips that I don't even, I mean, I don't know that we think about that. So then drinking your water, so when we're talking about drinking water and we need to drink our water and make sure we get our 64 ounces or whatever, but mm-hmm. we don't want to drink that while we're eating a meal, right? Nope. Okay. And then, it's, so it's kind of harder, right, to get it in. And so I'm so sorry, but like, it's really just like, if you drink it during your meal, it's just not going to benefit you as much. And you'll get better absorption from your food and everything if you can just drink that water. My my mom actually used to put a timer on her phone to like beep at the different times of day to drink water because she wanted to make sure she was getting her water in. So there's a lot of different things you can do for that. But mealtime, you're usually because you haven't drank water, you're dehydrated, which is why you're so thirsty by the time you finally sit down. Mm-hmm. And then you so. just want to drink your big glass of mm-hmm. water that they bring you at the restaurant or whatever, yeah. right? I mean, they always so bring thirsty. you your water first, right? And then yep. you, but that makes so much sense that it dilutes your enzymes. It dilutes, it's just, okay, this makes a lot of sense. This is so great. I'm so glad you're talking about this. So is there like a time limit that you should wait between your meals? Like as far as like, when is actually then the best time to drink your water? So really like an hour before your meals, like you could get a good amount in or okay an hour after um, would be good just so it's giving your body enough time to do those things. I tell some people you could do pretty good like with the eight ounces a half an hour before, but if you can do that eight, one hour before your water, your belly won't be full of water when you go to eat. Okay. So when we are not paying attention to our gut and we're just eating whatever and not paying attention to timing and all that, and our enzymes, we don't make a lot of enzymes or, and can you get to a point where you are healthier enough that your body's creating natural enzymes again or is enzymes really something you should be on like all the time so usually people who first come to me like i can tell by certain lab levels that um they're not absorbing their food as well so i will tell them to start working on doing the eating hygiene and then i put them on a digestive enzyme until i see those levels come up and then i'm like hey let's take you off the digestive enzyme and see if those levels stay the same if they don't then we put them back on 
Okay, so when you say levels, what are you testing? What are you looking at? What levels? So a lot of times I'm looking at their protein levels because unless you're vegetarian or something, their protein levels should be in a certain range. And if they're not, if they're on the lower side, I've had people who have been like even lab low, like in the red. And um, I'm like, you're, <laughs> your gut is hardly absorbing anything. Okay. Um, just because I know they're eating protein. Yeah. But yet, why is there their protein so low in their lab levels so that and I look at their albumin levels, which just has to do with nutrition of the whole body, other things, nutrients that are usually pretty normal of things we eat in labs, sometimes B12, different vitamins mm-hmm. should be up. And it's like, mm, this isn't up. Like a lot, I have a lot of girls, um, young girls, like in 22 that have huge issues with their hormones because their cholesterol isn't high enough. And that has to do with getting in healthy fats or their gut just isn't absorbing healthy fats. Mm. So if your gut is not absorbing, mm-hmm. And you're just, and does it just flow through your system, not absorbing? I like, I'm trying to like process what exactly that means. Like, cause you could eat as much food as you mm-hmm. want, but if your gut is not actually absorbing that, then what is your gut doing with that food when you, when you eat it? So it's not breaking it down enough. So it's just coming out. You're just pooping it out. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of not- like people say, oh, don't take vitamins because you just pee them out. It's kind of like saying you're eating food, your gut, because you're not chewing it or getting enough digestive enzymes, it's not breaking down enough to have it okay. go to the, because it has to break down to pretty small levels and go to a cellular level of all these nutrients, B vitamins, um, magnesium, all of our electrolytes, all different things. Like they have a job to do in our body. And, you know, when they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is why I do end up doing IVs on some people, because as we're working on their gut, getting their gut absorbing better, their body needs that so that it can heal. Okay. So, yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> very, very know, interesting. Right? Let's talk a little bit about dairy, because dairy okay. is another questionable one. There's some people that get very sick when they mm-hmm. eat dairy. There's others that can eat a little bit of dairy, but I've heard dairy can be pretty detrimental to your gut is that what are your thoughts so once again it depends on the person I like to do what's called food sensitivity testing you can do elimination diet too I've just found that's really difficult for a lot of patients because it's like you can only eat these three things and then every week you can add one food I mean that takes forever or every three days I don't remember because I did it for like once for a patient I was like no we're not doing this just because it's really difficult so I like doing food sensitivity testing to see which foods your body's actually having trouble with and we just avoid those foods. So I'll have people's, um, those come back and they'll be like gluten, like off the roof, like Mm. shouldn't be eating this dairy. If, uh, I test someone and their dairy comes back fine. I allow them to eat dairy just because I do feel like it's a personalized thing. Some people, if you're having health issues and you're not ready to go to a provider yet, if you stop gluten and dairy and have significant improvement in your health and you can try one first and then the other. So you know, which one is maybe affecting you the most, but it can be it can be huge for a lot of people because they don't really recognize that that it's the dairy that's hurting them. I think I've had a lot of patients come to me and they say, I stopped dairy. Oh my gosh, it made a world of difference for me. Mm. And so same with gluten. I've had it with both, but not everyone goes off both. But if you really do have some significant health issues, it wouldn't hurt to go off both and see how you do because they are both very inflaming. I think it's kind of the same thing. Like um, it doesn't always inflame people, but for people who are sensitive to it, it does, right? And then when you have that inflammation, it's hard. It, then it's easier for your body to develop autoimmune conditions and cancers and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. So when you were talking about gluten, you mentioned it's the wheat and it's the, mm-hmm. the way that it's processed. So what is it about dairy that affects us maybe in a so dairy way. like it kind of feel like the same thing like if you can get farm fresh eggs is you know you have your own chickens yeah it's a huge difference i mean if you even just go to the store and get the yolk of an egg even like the healthiest organic brown egg that you can get at the grocery store and you get a farm egg from a chicken that just laid it the day before huge difference like wow. the yolk is it the taste is just so much more the flavor it's just deeper it's just more it's so much better and Mm -hmm. it's just more because we process and these poor animals unfortunately aren't usually in the best places yeah um and yeah I just feel like once again it's just like process we have all these different things that are making these animals or in the well, actually eggs aren't dairy. So I don't know why I said that, but anyway, cows, but that's just a thing with eggs that people are sensitive to because sometimes they do better with the higher quality. But as far as dairy goes, milk, I hate to kind of say this, but if you can get milk unpasteurized and all the stuff taking out, 
some people don't have any reaction to those at all. Now, if mm. you're lactose intolerant, you're going to be reacting to any kind of dairy. Okay. But when it comes to regular milk, cheese, those kinds of things, it's really just, I feel like it's just so processed. We used to just get it straight from the cow. Yeah. And so I think a lot more people wouldn't have as many problems with it because of all the stuff that we do to it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to live in, uh, in the Northwest in Washington and we would go down to the dairy farm and get ice cream down in Mm -hmm. Oregon. And it was like, they always had this big, you know, joke about the happy cows in Oregon because it rains so much there and the grass is just so so green green and, and luscious and healthy. And so I always think about that at the store. I'm like, we need to get like happy cows from Oregon dairy (laughs) if we get dairy. So that's so interesting. Let's talk a little bit about stress. Stress affects the body in a number of different ways, but how does it affect you on like a nutritional level? So stress, yeah, unfortunately stress affects everything. One of the main things that I tell people is if you are going through a huge stressor, like you had someone you loved pass away, a just horrible time in your life. If you eat, you're only going to really get 10% of your food just because of you're in like a fight or flight response. Your body is not able to, it won't, it won't absorb that food because it's too stressed. It's like, I have too much stuff I have to deal with. It's like, I tell people, it's like you're running from the tiger. Mm -hmm. Your body's not going to digest. It's running from the tiger. It's too busy running from the tiger to say, Hey, I need to digest this food. Right. So sometimes stress is one of the problems why the gut isn't working as well either Mm -hmm. and even if you're just chronically stressed which most of us are unfortunately uh, um, you only absorb 50% of your food so that's why the whole being present in the eating hygiene is sitting down relaxing Mm -hmm. even taking 10 really good breaths uh, I call it diaphragmic breathing where you do like six breaths in hold it six breaths out hold it And um, that can really help before you eat because you'll just do better at absorbing. So being present with your food, trying to reduce your stress from the day, like you just got home from work, you're now going to eat dinner, like just give yourself a few good breaths and just like be ready to enjoy that meal and it will significantly help with absorption as well. I think a lot of us eat on the run, (laughs) like while we're driving, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to drink my protein drink and grab a bag of chips or something while I'm driving. And then I'm going to run to my next appointment. And then you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. That totally makes sense. So while we have you here and we're, we're going to wrap up in in a little bit here, but I wanted to just see if there anything that you specifically want to share with us and with the seven elements community about the nutritional element well i just think nutrition is so important and i think a lot of people don't really think about it too much unfortunately when we go to medical doctors they don't tell us how important what we what we're eating affects us like sometimes they might give you a paper as you're running out the door but a lot of times we just weren't taught to be honest with you we weren't taught in medical school or in nurse practitioner school exactly what root causes are what mm-hmm. different things can be affecting health yeah. and you know sleep is one and drinking water <laughs> obviously yeah. what we're putting inside of our body stress relationships and so a lot of seven element things go over a lot of these things so i'm really excited that they're out in the community teaching people this because it's just not something that we're getting at the regular medical doctors and i wish that they would more but i i tell people don't get upset because we weren't taught that. So like when they come to me, they're like, why didn't my doctor ever tell me this? It's like, because we didn't learn it. I had to go outside of school and take classes, functional medicine classes and integrative medicine classes. And it blew my mind how much stuff that they don't teach us. And it's really sad as providers because we could be helping a lot more people Mm -hmm. if we could just look into that a little bit more. But the other problem is, is they, you know, insurance companies dictate how much time that a provider gets to spend with a patient and you're lucky if you get 10 minutes of their time and so they're overworked and overwhelmed and don't really have the time which is part of the reason why the us more natural doctors we can't do it through insurance because they um dictate your care they even tell us what prescriptions if we are to write a prescription that we can write for you and it's really not fair to the patient because they don't know the whole history yeah they have doctors kind of managing over the insurance companies but i just it makes me feel really bad that people can't get the care that they need. I feel like we'd have less 
problems if we could all go to a more you know root cause approach to people's health we would have insurance companies wouldn't have to pay as much money but they don't have a clue about it and it's unfortunate so as far as you know nutritional I mean there's so many things that can help with that and and I've just found with some people dealing with the root causes really helps that's why nutritional element is so important because you know if you're sitting eating food every day and let's say you are eating healthier than normal but you're not absorbing because maybe you have the stomach acid issue we got to get that better managed so that you can absorb these healthy foods that you're eating and at our practice we do do a lot of ivs because um getting people to that point of feeling better and getting them to a better point it really helps so we do vitamin ivs msm ivs um which are for inflammation and then we do um some that kind of focus more on autoimmune condition and things like that and so i didn't really want to do ivs to be completely honest with you but when i when i started doing them and saw how much quicker people got better faster Mm -hmm. and i do base my ivs off people's labs so if they have certain things that are off i give them more of that so it's based it's more personalized than going to a place that just gives you an immune booster complex or something like that Mm -hmm. so i do like people to know that just because it can help us get you to a better place faster as far as nutrition wise but of course what you're eating is the most important thing and making sure that it's working for you and listen to your body because sometimes I've had so many patients come to me and they go I've been doing this this and I'm like you're doing intuitive eating which I am a firm believer in as well as long as that intuitive eating isn't you wanting to have a candy bar every day you know because that's more probably (laughs) candida or some bacterial overgrowth in your gut that's making you crave you know sugar so much so Yeah, yeah yeah there's so many people that have like mystery illnesses and Mm -hmm. and that's just what it was reminding me of as you were as you were talking right now is a lot of people have symptoms they don't know why they don't know where they're coming from they go to the doctor they get a prescription and it's kind of like a band-aid so so what you were saying about getting to the root cause would you say that nutrition is a really good place to start then if you've got like a I don't know what's wrong with me. I've got these symptoms and this pain. Would nutrition be a good place to start with that? Oh, absolutely. I love it when patients have already started doing some things and they're like, hey, I got myself to this certain point with my diet. I just need your help. And of course, we can always help people with that too. We have an awesome health coach and a really good team at our office that help people every day. But we get people with all sorts of mysterious illnesses. I think that's the funniest thing because they come in and they're like, when I go over their lab report, they're just like, oh my gosh, like there's so many, they're like, my doctor said everything was normal. And you're telling me there's like 20 things. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, because when you're looking at things from a more narrow perspective, when you're looking, cause labs, I mean, this is a good thing to talk about too, are based on sick people and where they live location wise. So wow. if you were in Arizona, the lab values could be different, even in the city, even in uh, a certain zip code than wow. it would be here. Okay. in St. George, they're based on sick people, not healthy people. So I look at the labs at a much narrower perspective. And so I'll look at it and it will be, they'll be like, but it's in range. I'm like, but this is really super low, like B12, let's just say this should be like a 800 and you're at 300. Mm. Are you tired? Yeah, I'm tired all the time. Well, you need B vitamins. And then sometimes like they might have MTHFR or like um, a genetic issue that's is why they have issues with the B vitamins, right? And they think they're absorbing them, but they're not because they're not taking like a methylated form. So there's a bunch of different factors that people just don't, regular doctors don't look at and looking at it from a narrower perspective and like, nope, you're actually not in range. I know it's you know, but this is what they teach in like integrated medicine and functional medicine type classes is that you need to look at people from a healthier range than the sick range. Yeah. And this is just like blowing my mind because the things you were just saying was like MTA, what did you, MTHF? MTHFR? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but like, you know that, you know, to look for those things. And that is what is so valuable about what you do and what you offer because I think most of us don't understand all those little tiny details. So how do we find you? Like, where do we work with you? Because my my, my brain is like spinning right now with all of these different, like, okay, I need to look at my B12. I need to, you know, right? So how yeah. do we connect with you and learn from you, work with you? I know you have a clinic. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us how to connect with you. So my name's Anna Jeanette Miller. My practice is called Desert Bloom Healthcare. And we're actually on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, 
Um, we also have a YouTube channel that we just started. So we'd love for you to connect with us that way. And um, we also have a website, uh, desert, www.desertbloomhealthcare.com. So pretty easy, our names and everything. <laughs> so we would love to connect with you and help you with your health care needs. So what do you offer on your YouTube channel? Are those like classes or... I have stuff about gut health on there. So kind of like this podcast where you're, there's some tips and like tricks and stuff like that about what to do. I also am very huge into some more natural things for um, like tapping points. Tapping and toning is a huge thing. So I, so I can kind of direct patients to it as well and say, hey, go look at this thing I want you to do on YouTube. But then that way I can give it out to the regular people too to do it as well to help with like mental health. Um, Tapping points. I don't know if you've heard of EFT tapping. This is a different kind of tapping, but still I feel like it's better than EFT tapping because you're supposed to tone with it. So -hmm. things like that, like little things that can help you with your health that don't take a lot of time and energy, like massaging certain organs and stuff like that, like educational, like this is what you you could do like before you come and see me and hey I saw your YouTube and I did this this and this and it really helped me but I want to get to the next level so that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah. and I love that and it really is kind of bringing a lot of the elements together it's not just nutritional there's a lot of mental emotional in Mm -hmm. here too so that's kind of cool I know it's all connected right the body absolutely all connected (laughs) that's what I usually tell people I'm looking at your body as a whole and trying to like fill in those little holes so you can feel optimal because we always, always think it has to be like this one thing or my, it's my thyroid. I'm always tired. So it's my thyroid and it's, it could be four different things. And so it's just, you know, trying to look at the body as a whole and seeing what it needs and supporting that the best way possible. Yeah. So helpful. I love all of these (laughs) thoughts, but is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share? I've just had so many experiences and just have cried with patients where, where I'm sitting there telling them things that I'm seeing are wrong, that they were told nothing was wrong. And even some that were told, oh, you're just crazy. Go see a therapist. Like nothing's wrong with you. And we find stuff wrong with them. And it, and it doesn't have to be like this big diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, Hey, your body's off balance. Let's just get it where it needs to be. And it significantly helps. So just wanted to say that because there's a lot of people who get kind of hopeless and feel like there's no option. So when you're told your labs don't look right and you know, something's not right, then you should come see me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What a great blessing you are to be so knowledgeable and also having so much empathy, I think, because of your story and your situation, having empathy for people and being willing to listen and to to help. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. This is so great. There's so much wonderful information here. I can't wait to share it. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. To connect with us, join our private Facebook group. This is a group where you will find ideas, be able to ask questions, and find the support of a like-minded community. We also have monthly local element events where we feature a different element each month and we bring in specialized speakers. And these events will be live streamed exclusively into this group. And if you're local, we also find a lot of fun activities in the group, such as hikes, pickleball, vision board nights. You can also join our Instagram page at 7 Elements of Wellness. Find out about upcoming events, to look for inspiration, motivational quotes, and a lot of shares. Make sure to check out our website at 7elementsofwellness.com. Here you can join our newsletter, which will give you updates on upcoming podcasts, articles on health and wellness, and the latest local events. You can also check out our website for the seven-day challenge. So every month we begin a new challenge from the first of the month to the seventh of the month because most people can do anything for seven days, right? The best thing is that we have a community to support you because we know that having accountability buddies is where it's at. Right, so after the seven days, we're going to choose a winner for one of our amazing sponsors. And then from there, you're going to see how many days in a row you can flow. If you'd like to create your own seven elements of wellness community where you live, reach out to us. We'd love to help you get it started. The Seven Elements of Wellness podcast is created and produced entirely by volunteers who are passionate about sharing this message and assisting you on your journey to feel good more than you don't. If you would like to contribute to helping us continue to bring amazing content through this podcast and community events, we would love your support. You can find us on Venmo under our business account at Life Integrated. Any donation is so greatly appreciated and we thank you so much.